Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. Um, uh, glad to have you here. And, and today's topic is is particularly important. Um, you know, as things are starting to, you know, kind of get back to business as usual, we got to start addressing some of the business issues that are just a little bit different uh, than they have been in the past. And if you're a regular reader of hardware retailing and paint and decorating retailer magazines, one of the things we talked about in, in, in recent issues um, was one of these issues that's, that's changed a little bit, not necessarily as a result of the pandemic, but we talked about this emergence of new business threats. One of those being things like ransomware attacks. But another thing is just some of the other kind of liabilities that business owners are facing today that are just a little different. And there's some reasons why they're different. And our guest on the program today is Scott Reynolds. He's the CEO of American Hardware and Lumber Insurance. And what Scott's going to talk to us about is why it is so important right now for business owners in hardware, paint, lumber, home center arena to start thinking about some of these emerging threats to your business. Now, some of them are more operational related, but some of them are kind of outside threats, you know, big stories in the news about, about the ransomware attacks on big companies. And like I said, in, in, in recent issues of our magazines, we've profiled companies within this industry that have been the victims of these kind of attacks. And Scott's gonna talk to us about things business owners can do to mitigate some of their exposure to the these new threats that are around, not just on the ransomware side, but other things you need to consider to make sure that your business is protected that maybe weren't on your radar in the last 18 months. So first, we're going to get a couple words from our sponsors. Then we're going to get back with Scott and talk about how you can protect your business. The National Hardware Show will be returning to the Las Vegas Convention Center on October 21st through the 23rd this year for its 75th edition. It's going to be in the new state-of-the-art West Hall out in Las Vegas. And this year will begin its exciting evolution from an annual merchandise market to a year-round industry guidepost, delivering thought leadership, global insights, and unrivaled sourcing and networking opportunities to members of the hardware and home improvement community. So stay up to date on what's going on at the National Hardware Show year-round with NHS Connects, a new year-round digital hub for insight, discovery, information, and connection. Hey, Scott, welcome to the Taking Care of Business podcast. I appreciate you taking some time out today. I am sure you have been a busy guy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, just like everybody, um, you know, I think we all have reevaluated the volume of work that we could handle over the last 18 months. Um, but so thank you for taking some time out. Scott, why don't you start out? Um, you know, it's been a while since you and I have talked, but why don't you start out by letting everybody, uh, all our listeners kind of know a little bit about your background, a little bit about the background of American Hardware and Lumber Insurance and, and kind of uh, you know how we got to where we are today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Dan, and happy to be here. Um, I'm the CEO of American Hardware and Lumber Insurance, and I've been here now for 10 years. I celebrated my 10-year anniversary last week. Uh, I've been in the insurance business since 1987. I started as an actuary, and for those who don't know what actuaries do, basically they use math to uh, determine 
what insurance companies need to charge and how much money they need to set aside. Um, so that's how I got involved with insurance. I then uh, gravitated towards insurance programs where we would focus on specific classes of business. And that led me to lumber insurance programs where we focused okay. on uh, building material dealers, uh, lumber manufacturers. Um, and it led me to this. Uh, so in 2011, I joined what was then called member insurance. Right. Um, and uh, member insurance has been around for a long time. Uh, we'll be celebrating our 50 year anniversary in October of this year. Okay. Uh, started as part of True Value. Right. And okay. we expanded in 1986 to ensure members of any co op or association. And we now insure uh, businesses throughout the U.S. We're in all 50 states. We focus on property and casualty insurance. Uh, basically, our members dovetail with the members of NHPA. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, write a lot of lumber manufacturers. Uh, so that's what we do today. Uh, we have offices in North Carolina and Chicago, and we, uh, we have uh, sales staff located throughout the U.S., well, before we get 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 to talking about the last eighteen months and why why we're it's a little bit different, uh, uh, let me ask you, you know, kind of specifically. Uh, obviously, you know, you touched on these different classes of business, and I once had someone. This is a long time ago because I was talking. I was actually writing a story for our magazine that was all about mitigating risk and safety management in home improvement stores. And a quote that stuck with me: Someone said, "When you really think about it, a home improvement store, lumber dealer, is one of the most potentially dangerous places out there. <laughs> it's one of the few places where you mix really heavy things." with really sharp things, with really flammable things, and you put them all in one environment, and then you welcome customers in. <laughs> um, tell, tell us a little bit about what makes home improvement insurance and what makes uh, the, the considerations that these operators have to consider just a little bit different. Well, it's interesting that you bring those things up because we've seen claims that uh, have involved accidents leading to claims that have uh, involved everything you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a lumber yard or a hardware retailer, as you said, they have a lot of flammable items, they have a lot of heavy items, they have a lot of sharp items. They will often carry a heavy fire load with uh, a lot of wood, a lot of flammable materials, um, and they're welcoming customers into their store. Uh, some of the buildings they're in have been around for a long, long time, uh, and they have to be aware of changes in code requirements as to what you need to have in place for uh, accommodating people, uh, you know, changes in the floor going from one level to another. There are limits on how high those steps can be, and you're, you have customers in there all day long. Uh, so the premises exposure you know, your general liability breaks down into premises and products. A hardware retailer has both uh, heavy premises exposure because you have the customers and products exposure because you're selling lots of products all day long. Um, and while you'd like to think that the manufacturer will uh, take the blame for anything wrong with those products, 
the plaintiff attorneys will generally bring the retailer into the lawsuit. Yeah, and you see, you know that you've seen quite a few cases of that in this industry and also across other industries where, you know, we always talk about lawsuits and you can sue anybody for anything, and usually the plaintiff's attorney casts a really wide net and says, "Well, let's throw them in there, and somewhere down the line, if a judge wants to kick them out, they can kick them out, but let's toss them in the net to begin with and see what happens." Right. And, and jurisdictions, you know, it, it changes, but some jurisdiction, jurisdictions are very hard on the defendants and the retail store owner will be the defendant. Uh, you know, you like to think that our uh, legal system has a doctrine of innocent until proven guilty. And uh, I hate to say it, but oftentimes it seems the opposite where uh, when someone alleges that they've been harmed, uh, by a product or on the premises that uh, it's often that the store owner is guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. And, and do you think just those kind of unique considerations, you know, if you're and I'd, I'd imagine you could speak to this, but it doesn't really matter if you're a guy who has a hardware store, or a lady who has a hardware store that's a 6000 square foot hardware store, you're just as vulnerable as the person who owns a chain of 12 uh, lumber yards. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really kind of specific to this industry that we're in. Well, absolutely. Uh, just looking at the accidents and the claims that we see here, I can tell you that the, the accidents are not choosy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, a small business is, is just as, ex as exposed. And, uh, you know, we were, uh, recently involved in some uh, uh, major cyber attacks, ransomware that everybody has seen, yeah. and they targeted huge infrastructure uh, elements of our country with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware. But those criminals, those gangs that are uh, attacking people and uh, committing ransomware, they'll just as easily target a small business. And the only difference is they'll ask a smaller ransom amount and they generally ask an amount that they know that the business owner can afford to pay. And if they need to pay it to get back online, it'll, it'll often happen. So uh, small businesses are just as exposed all across the board. Well, it's interesting, Scott, because in the June issue of Hardware Retailing, we just profiled some industry companies that were hit with exactly that. And, and from our understanding, is that when it comes to ransomware attacks and those kind of things, there's a little bit of a sweet spot, as you just described, for companies. And, and it looks like those uh, bad actors, as they call them, are, are taking a look at this industry and looking at saying, listen, I can find a company that I know could probably afford to, uh, to pay this as long as that figure's right. And one of the things that I learned from from some, some of our coverage on these actual attacks that happened is a lot of times you might think you might watch CSI Miami or something and think that there's a programmer that could get on there and start combating these ransomware attacks and get it out of your system. But 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 that's TV. That's not reality. And a lot of times <laughs> it's it's, uh, you know, you got to deal with with this threat and you got to deal with it and you might not like the check you have to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this threat's not going away. I, I, I liken it to the old days of radars and radar detectors and cars. Uh, you know, 
they, they keep evolving with one becoming better than the other. And these hackers and the uh, providers of, of firewall protection and, uh, you know, they, they both have to keep moving forward. Uh, I do like what Biden said uh, in his report out after he met with uh, Putin, where he alluded to the fact that the U.S. has enormous cyber capabilities. Uh, we don't know exactly what that means, but I'd like right. to think that maybe they will start tracking down some of these gangs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was really eye opening to me, too, to learn how professional these rings are, that some of them actually literally have a help desk that said <laughs> and will give you references of, oh, here's other companies that we've held hostage and you can contact them and you can see that once you pay us, we release your uh, assets. I, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a truly uh, really, uh, this wormhole that you could go down that it's, but it's really interesting, but it's a reality that, that a lot of people who run a paint store or a hardware store might think, well, that's the, that's a big, uh, you know, Tom Clancy stuff. That's not, that's not, uh, doesn't impact me, but that's not the case. Well, just imagine, you know, you show up to work and your point of sale system is down and you can't access your bank account and you can't access your accounting system, um, you have a big problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, so you, do you guys, are you guys having that conversation more and more now with the, with the companies you're working with? Uh, we do. We, uh, we, look for, we look for elements of exposure that people don't normally uh, pay attention to. One of the big ones is cyber. Yeah. Um, Another one is employment practices, liability. Uh, oh, okay. that, that's an area where uh, you could have a, a problem with an employee, maybe uh, claiming harassment or uh, pay discrimination. Uh, the reason they're not covered by regular insurance is because regular insurance with your workers' comp and your GL is triggered by an accident or an injury. Uh, and in the case of employment practices, there's not actually an accident oh. or an injury, okay. uh, so it's often overlooked. We, we push those two insurance elements, cyber coverage and employment practices liability, uh, hard, and we really want to make our insureds aware of the exposure. Yeah. Do you think that that, that is something, uh, both those areas that are getting to be more uh, concerns that are more front and center for these small business operators, kind of regardless of size? It continues to grow. Uh, the we call it a take-up ratio, uh, okay. the number of people who uh, purchase the coverage versus the total population of, of uh, prospects. And uh, it's, it's getting higher. It's still remarkably low, though. Uh, probably less than the uh, take-up ratio is still probably less than 10%. Oh really? Okay. And that and that leads to uncovered claims. Well, going, I, I, go ahead. Going back to the cyber, uh, one of the huge benefits of being covered by insurance is not merely uh, being indemnified for any losses you may have, but it's that you get a cyber coach. Uh, so right. the insurance carriers that provide it will give you an expert, so that if even if you haven't been hacked, but you think you've been hacked. Uh, they'll come in and assess the situation and give you guidance. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that anybody who's been involved with something like that would tell you is, is that understanding how to navigate 
what to do is probably just as valuable as knowing that you have some degree of of uh, backup for your, for your uh, you know financial liability. But I mean, it, like like we were just saying, these these are folks that that run small businesses for a living. They haven't. I I, I would have, and, and I think most would have no idea. How do I navigate the negotiation process with a ransomware gang, or or how do what what do I do when I think that we might have had a system breach, and and to this point, you know, there's one side on the data, then there's the other side on if you're collecting consumer or customer data, and and that has got to be, uh, I mean, probably the scariest potential uh, uh, liability out there is. Oh my gosh! Now I've—I mean, that—that th- th- that is the kind of thing that ends companies. Right. You could absolutely be be held liable for uh, releasing that information, and of course, uh, without help with someone from like a cyber coach, basically what it turns into is you either try to survive it by rebuilding your data, or you call that help desk that you referred to, yeah. and uh, and they're very polite and they'll help you. <laughs> But right. they want their they want their bitcoins, right? Exactly, and and it, no matter how you slice it, 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 most of the time it ends. I mean, you look at the, the 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 kind of high profile attacks we had here. In both cases, these were multi million, if not multi billion. I, I don't remember companies. And what did they do, Scott? They ended up saying, well, where do we send the check? <laughs> it's basically what they <laughs> yeah. had to do. You they know. did. They did. It's really, it amazes me that companies of that size don't have uh, a firewall and a, a IT structure that would prevent this from happening. So hopefully the awareness continues to increase both with small businesses and large is that kind of coverage? What do you think some of the things are that that, that you know when you talk about that take up right that that um, that small business owners don't decide to do that? Is it that they don't realize that the threat is really as as potentially ominous as it is, or is it you know is it cost prohibitive, or what what are the what are kind of the barriers to them entering that kind of coverage? Yeah, the, the biggest barrier is the first thing you mentioned, and that's that uh, most business owners don't really feel exposed to a cyber attack or ransomware attack. Um, and the fact is that it, it does happen. Uh, it's it, it's very affordable insurance coverage if you were okay. to compare it to what you pay for your workers' comp or your property oh, or okay. GL or auto. It's, it's a, a, a fraction of that. Well, and and I will and feel free to use this quote in your marketing materials, but I will tell you if you think that you are not if you're a small business owner in this home improvement space and you think that you are not susceptible to this, read the June issue of Hardware Retailing because there are concrete examples of companies out there just like you that got hit with this exact thing that Scott's talking about. And when you read their feedback and comments, some of the, the, the biggest feedback that they give is, we are so glad that we had coverage and we are so glad that we had someone help navigate us through these uh, these challenges. Um, and and so it's like, I mean, I am not in the insurance game at all. But, Scott, I can imagine the, 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 the biggest thing you hear from people is, wow, I wish I would have thought about that before it happened. <laughs> you know, and, and there's not much you can do to help them after the fact, but you can certainly help them ahead of the fact. Far, far better to have insurance and not use it 
than it is to need insurance and not have it. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on um, is, you know, it, the last 18 months have been using words like unique or unprecedented or just cliche at this point, but we have seen, I, I you know, I, I probably say this too much, but I've been in the industry for 25 years and if I took all these 25 years of changes, it's like we've compacted everything into an 18 month period. We've seen, we've seen, you know, pandemic issues. We've seen stores close down and reopen up and have to change the way they deal with customers, have to change the way they deal with employees. We've seen, un, you know, unfathomable sales increases. We've seen supply chain challenges. We've seen pricing fluctuations. What does that mean for a guy in your line of business? All these things that have happened over the last 18 months, what's that doing at American Hardware and Lumber Insurance? What are the, how is it changing the conversations you're having? Well, it's been unprecedented. Uh, unprecedented from almost every aspect. I mean, here at American Hardware and Lumber Insurance, not only are we concerned about our members and our insureds, but our own staff. Uh, sure. Just trying to make sure that, you know, we're exercising safety. Um, we're lucky to be tied to an industry that was deemed to be an essential business early on. Right. Um, and I give credit to uh, the major co-ops and associations and NHPA uh, for uh, lobbying hard with the governors uh, with their joint letter to make sure that uh, these businesses would be considered essential. Um, Thank you. So, you know, while they were considered essential, uh, the good news is they were very busy. Uh, they stayed open. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that um, staffing was an issue. And uh, when the government is paying people not to work, uh, it's very hard to convince people to come back to work. And that just compounds the impact of COVID, uh, which is preventing people in many cases from being in the workplace. Sure. Um, and uh, so recently uh, in the lumber industry, the lumber manufacturing industry, largely due to uh, the impacts of these uh, protection plans, the payroll protection plans uh, and the stimulus plans, uh, it's hard to be fully staffed to produce wood. And uh, housing starts and housing repairs uh, are at an all-time high. Yeah. Uh, put these two things together and the supply and demand curve uh, drove the price way up. Uh, Pre-pandemic, uh, the price of lumber using the, uh, the thousands foot index uh, was less than $400 for a thousand feet. Uh, recently, that maxed out at over $1,400. It has settled back three times. Right. Yeah. It has settled back down, uh, and today I believe it's something like 850. But still, that's more than twice what it was pre-pandemic, and there are significant geographic variances. If you're in a hard-to-reach place, uh, these lumber prices uh, may still be well in excess of two or even 300 uh, percent. From our perspective, as a provider of insurance solutions, it. Uh, makes a big difference for property coverage. Um, and in many cases, it, it is causing people to be underinsured. Right. And we're really imploring our customers and businesses in general 
uh, in the hardware industry and the lumber industries to look at this carefully. Uh, if you consider that, uh, take a lumber yard that maybe has $2 million uh, in buildings va building values and maybe another $2 million in inventory. Um, when they bound their insurance policy, they may have likely been looking at the lumber prices in place at that time. Right. And the policies may have an inflationary protection element of eight to 10%. Not all policies do, but some do. But eight to 10% doesn't even touch what we've seen in lumber. So imagine that business uh, suffers a total loss for fire or wind or, or some other covered cause. Uh, rebuilding uh, is going to be influenced heavily by lumber, perhaps as much as 25% of the cost is due to the lumber, which now has doubled or tripled. Uh, the inventory, uh, especially for a lumber yard, which is entirely lumber, uh, their inventory has now doubled or tripled. Uh, so we really encourage these business owners to sit down with their insurance agent and uh, take a look at what it costs to replace their building, take a look at what it would cost to replace their inventory. And they should also go through what, what is called a, a business, a BI worksheet. Uh, business interruption where you determine uh, okay. how much coverage you need to have uh, to protect you for the downtime where you're not making any money. Uh, in, in many cases, in, in fact, I'd say in most cases, lumber yards may be underinsured today, may likely be underinsured today. So this is, this is an important, a really important thing for people to consider. Uh, and while we think the prices may go down because they've settled down in recent weeks, um, there is a general uh, reverse trend in inflation. Uh, Bank of America came out today and forecasted that we're going to be in a four-year pattern of inflation. So uh, I, I don't expect the lumber prices to continue to fall. Uh, that's not what all forecasters are saying. But the fact is today we're still far more than double where we were pre-pandemic. Right. And if you think about your inventory or the cost of replacement, you, you know, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about it in terms of the housing market, certainly about, you know, the cost of building a new house being up 25 to 30 percent of, of based on some of those commodity price uh, figures. Well, that same thing applies to your store and your operation and having to rebuild your 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 drive through lumber yard or, or your store. It's it's also going to be up 20 to 30 percent let alone the inventory you're stocking. So so it's definitely worth a half hour meeting with your insurance agent to at least go over that. Scott, is there anything like timing wise that someone should consider? I mean, right now, you know, unfortunately, we're certainly seeing out west that it is wildfire season. And, and, and as we've seen more and more of those kind of incidents, ramping up and then in the in the southeast it's you know you're heading into hurricane season and 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 so now would I, i'd imagine maybe maybe i'm wrong but now seems like it would probably be a pretty good time to have that conversation <laughs> excellent point um it, it's always a good time to review it uh the, the wind and the wildfire season are kicking in right now mm -hmm. um and that makes a loss more likely than it would be uh in the winter months uh, that being said, it, in my opinion, everyone should review it. If your policy is coming up for renewal very soon, 
like in the next 30 days, uh, you're probably already in discussions with your insurance agent. But if your policy is not coming up for renewal, uh, you still should have the conversation okay. and uh, your insurance carrier will be able to uh, have a midterm endorsement that would increase your insured values. What do you think, um, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of the, the inflationary environment persisting and so on. What are some things, if you kind of look forward, what are some kind of, whether it's insurance or risk mitigation things that retailers really need to be concerned about or thinking about as we head into the next six months or year? Well, uh, you know, they need to check their policy to see if they have an inflationary protection. Uh, if your policy doesn't give you uh, inflation protection, you should ask for it. Okay. Uh, most of the policies that we sell here uh, come with uh, eight to ten percent inflationary protection, uh, but not all policies do. Um, I would also uh, be paying close attention to what's happening in the regulatory environment and with COVID and uh, what you know, what's likely to happen with the workforce. As long as the workforce stays depressed, uh, the, the prices are likely to stay well above general inflation uh, because they're not going to have the workforce to produce the product. And again, we go back to the supply demand curve. Uh, but, you know, time, time is really of the essence right now uh, to review those property policies. Uh, and you're if you're a retail hardware store owner or you're a lumber dealer, uh, in addition to these challenges, uh, you're likely looking at record sales for the past right. year and a half. And uh, that also means that you have more customers in your store and you're more exposed to those kinds of accidents. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting what happens uh, as claims emerge over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, general liability claims often aren't even reported to the store owner until many, many months, in some cases, years after the fact. Sure. And these stores have been very busy for the past 18 months. So uh, there, there's likely to be uh, an increase in these reported claims coming forward. Now, um, y you know, one of the things that we're engaged in right now that we always look at is our cost of doing business study at NHPA, where we look at, you know, the average kind of financial performance and different key performance indicators. And one of the things that we always look at is, you know, as retailers look to control costs or at least understand their costs, one of the things that I know we preach is that, you know, it's always probably a good idea to do like an audit of providers like insurance to make sure you have enough coverage to make sure you're not paying on a policy with it that you know that, that that you might be able to get more effectively uh, uh managed somewhere else so scott if someone uh, if they're uh, you know ideally if they're working with american hardware and lumber insurance you guys are having these discussions with them if they're not, or they just want to kind of get some insights, what are what are the best ways to get in touch with you guys and to learn a little bit more? Or, or like I always say, kind of keep your current provider honest and maybe reach out to you guys and say, hey, what 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 would this kind of what would this kind of coverage look through you guys look like through you guys? What, what, how should someone reach out to get in touch with you guys? Uh, check our website out. It's AmericanHLI.com. American and uh, we have uh, 
contact information on there. They can they can reach us online or they can call us. I know one thing you guys are really good about too is you 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 provide a lot of and I'll give you guys credit for this. You provide a lot of information and insights. I mean, you guys truly kind of embrace that idea that, listen, we obviously run a business, but we also want to keep the industry informed. And and, and so I know that you guys, whether it's through your website or just through conversations, are always happy to have a com- I mean, we, we see each other's at the same shows, you know, that kind of when they when they were taking place face to face. But you guys are always out there talking to people and just trying to give them this kind of insights and information. So I would encourage anybody that that has any questions or just wants a good resource for this kind of insight, reach out to Scott and the team because they're always very willing to just have discussions. And if it leads to a business relationship, good for everybody. But if not, I know they always just like helping small businesses and and, and making sure that wherever you're covered, that, that, that you do have all your bases covered. So so we appreciate that, Scott. Thanks for that, Dan. Uh, you know, one thing to note is that our company is owned by our policyholders. Uh, so in a, in a sense, we're a not-for-profit company. Um, and as such, you know, our goal is to provide good products and to educate. So we're happy to come out and provide uh, presentations on safety management. Uh, we'll customize it for the class of business if you're a rental equipment dealer or a hardware store or a building material dealer. Well, and that's another thing, just to, again, you guys specialize in this class of business. So if you're, you know, if you're, if you have a policy or you're working with somebody that, that, you know, has as many car dealers and, and candy stores as they have, uh, as they have uh, lumber yards, you might want to think about uh, just at least getting, getting some insights and information from a, from, from a company that really understands this industry. And, 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 you know, you, you being on my program today, Scott is a great example, how you guys are, are always out there trying to give out information and insights, whether it's for your clients or just anybody out there. And we appreciate that. Thanks very much, Dan. You're very welcome. And, uh, we, uh, we enjoy it. We enjoy being a part of this industry. That's, it's a good industry, and I think we're all looking forward to being at some of those face-to-face shows again and shaking some hands and, and getting back to normal. So so look, look forward to seeing you out on the road, Scott. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you for being on the program. Do you know how your business stacks up against other average or high-profit operators in the industry? Get your financial questions answered by participating in NHPA's 2021 Cost of Doing Business Study. Participation is free and easy. It takes just minutes to complete and your personal information is always kept confidential. When you participate in the study, you'll receive a free copy of the study, a $499 value, along with a personalized financial analysis of your operation with ratios and other financial tools. The deadline to participate in this year's study is fast approaching. To learn more or get started, visit yournhpa.org slash codb.